0: Welcome to the Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearned. So I'm mixing it up this week. You see, last week it took me two and a half hours to record a four-minute intro, and I don't have that kind of time. Okay, so I'm straight off the Peloton. I still have my headband on. I still have my wristbands on and I'm ready to roll. So here's the deal. This is my soul brother, Parangi, from Sedona. I met him a couple years ago, and he's one of those guys who's been instrumental in the changes that I felt, mainly because he's a man who lives in true alignment. And when you spend enough time with someone like that, you understand when you're out of alignment and what a true path looks like for you. And so when I met him, I did whatever I could to spend time with him. I went to his retreats. I participated in his sound healings when he was here in Austin. I went to his live performances, which are ridiculous. And then I was invited on a few of these men's retreats, these really special kind of tribal men's retreats in Sedona that, I mean, if there's anything that's changed my life, it's being around eight or nine or 10 of these men who really show up masculine but are deeply in touch with their feminine. And that's really a big part of what this podcast is trying to do is trying to show men that you can be masculine and feminine. It's really the marriage of those two, which I think that's where the magic is. And so I'm deeply grateful for this connection I've made with Parangi. We talk about my solo cast near the end of this, and he really gave me permission to just go out there and do it, mean, I was so stressed out. And you know, when it was all said and done, I'm not afraid to say I was pretty proud of how that solo cast went. I mean, if you'd have seen me before as a bundle of nerves, and so I'm grateful for that as well. Um, He's a guy, he teaches through actions. He doesn't tell you what to do. Now, he has ideas about how we move through the world, and he openly shares that. But he teaches through doing and then by being. And I was a guy who used to spend a lot of time telling people what to do. And you can imagine the results were not that great. And so I've really tried to lead by example and to just let people know what I'm doing that's working for me and let, let them know what's not working for me. And it's a guy like Purangi who's really kind of the living example of that for me. And so, again, I'm, I'm deeply grateful for that. Now, he's a musical maestro. He's a body worker who incorporates sound into that. And he's a sun dancer. Now, I apologize. I referenced sun dancing a couple of different times. And no, it's not the music festival. But he, it, that that practice Really requires its own episode, and so when he comes back to Austin in April, I'm going to get him back on with his blessing, and we're going to get deep into what the Sundance is all about because I really want to share that with you. I think most of you probably never heard of it, and I think it's going to kind of blow your mind. Um, so anyway, that's that. Business as usual. Go to thegreatandlearn.com. Sign up for my newsletter. If you've signed up, you should have received a welcome letter. If you haven't, Check your spam. It's probably in there. There's information on retreats and also all the other episodes you can find under the podcast uh, page there. That's it. I'm excited. I did it. I freaking did it. I've got my new process for doing the intro. I love you all. Aho. How's
1: that? That Awesome.
0: All right. Um, Okay.
1: You want any kind of musical intro or anything like that? I love that. That? that was the yeah. yeah that
0: was one of the asks <laughs> i got you the other thing i wanted to make sure is that we um offline we talk about vinyl getting you on vinyl oh vinyl so okay well again well, that's that's for another time but um, yeah i don't want to forget that right on okay where can people find you Da-da-da-da. that's that's a whole thing
1: recently though just to say because i've i've been um I just spoke with Yegon who's a you know another producer dj we just played boulder theater together mm-hmm. and he's releasing his new album called gaia codes um and the whole thing with him is you know in our conversation he was telling me how he wanted to put his album out on vinyl but then he started looking more into it and he's like it's a super toxic process because of the plastics and the way that they make the actual vinyl it's like super, super toxic for the environment, heavy. I know. And so okay. I was like, oh, he's, so he's like, I can't put it out on vinyl as much as I've been a record collector my whole life. He's like, because how can I call it Gaia Codes? And it's all about the earth and then put it on this stuff that's highly toxic. Yeah, you got to stay on brand.
0: That sucks.
1: Yeah. So I was like, oh shit. So we, my thought process with it was, okay, how? who's out there? Is there anyone in the space doing like hemp plastic fucking records or something like that who's doing... Like, how do we innovate here so we can still do analog, but how do we move it forward instead of using this old technology? Yeah. So
0: I'm just Dude. like, okay, you, you, you know got, what I'm saying? Yeah, you got my mind so, working now. So I'm gonna I'm, help I'm, you research that because yeah. that would be fucking awesome. Because right? you're right. It's especially for you and, and and your buddy, like to those that marriage doesn't work, Does you know, it? but if there's a way that um yeah. can be yeah. And then you create
1: an alternative in a space that's coming back and it's like, that could be a major impact just in the whole industry. It's like, oh, if you had a choice, am I going to pay for this acrylic, you know, toxic records or I'm going to pay for something that I know actually isn't harmful to the environment? Right. I mean, shit, it's kind of a no brainer. Like most, organic, right? Yeah, people pay
0: up for organic.
1: Pay up for organic. Like why wouldn't you do it for music? And that yeah. costs, you know, to someone who's going to buy the record if they know that their money is actually, so it's an education piece. There's all these pieces to it. that I think, wow, why don't we do that? Like, oh my gosh, that just, yeah. That's like a given.
0: <laughs> so, Dude, that's awesome. Especially with the, I mean, listen, there are plenty of people out there who have the means to help push this. Right. Because as you said, like it's vinyl is coming back in a big way. Yeah. And if there can be an alternative that, you know, is, is not harmful to the earth and, you know, obviously off that piece, it's like a Tom's type of thing where there's a piece that goes to you know, supporting some cause or multiple causes, like that would be super dope. Yeah. Like that's a mission. So, so that's right there. <laughs> totally. Dude. So I feel like that's yeah, let's weave that into our well it's interesting too, like, cause we had gone down that rabbit hole and you know, we were pretty close to like, okay, let's figure out how to do this, pull the trigger. But right, there was something something was like there it wasn't was a resistance time resistance there. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Which is so awesome like, because I, <laughs> like we could be like, well I'm like shit, we were talking about this whatever months ago and we didn't do it, but Mm-hmm. There's a reason. Oh, totally. It was like
1: when he told me that uh, information, it was like, oh, that was the piece that had not come through yet. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So now it's like, and then I got the download. It's like, oh, hemp plastic. Like, someone, like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be another there way. There has to be. For sure. So awesome. Cool. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> open up. What's yeah, a little, please. Little song here. Mm.
0: That friends was my dear brother, Purangi. Um, He's sitting down with me today, and uh, such an honor. Um, Mm -hmm. We met a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, you're one of the, you know, handful of people kind of shamanistically who've come into my life and and really helped guide my path and shown me a way to go within, right? And, and, And trust my calling, my path, you know, go back to trusting that instinct and that intuition. And so um, it's such an honor to bring you on today and to introduce you to my listeners and my friends and, and, and my people, um, because like I said, you've had such an incredible impact on me. And as a result, my wife, Peyton and my kids, and, you know, they've even been to your sound healing, which, you know, we'll talk about later on, but- um, yeah. We are. Um, we do have a, a limited amount of time today, and so uh, I do want to get right into this because there's a, there's a lot I'd love to co- uh, cover, and unapologetically, I've written down some notes because I do have a tendency, as I told you before, to go down some rabbit holes, and <laughs> and that may be fine, but um, today this is. I look at this as, Purangi One Hundred and One. You know, kind of a a, a poo-poo platter of of what you've meant to me and kind of uh, the different areas of your life where where you've really worked to become a master. Mm. Um, and so if you could, just for the audience, mm-hmm. um, give a little bit of, of your background, which by the way, is as fascinating and as um, diverse uh, of a background that, that I've ever um, been in contact with. And so uh, I'm deeply appreciative for that and and all the wisdom that comes through those different lineages. So, yeah. if you could just share some of that, that'd be awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Well, hello
1: to the audience and all the listeners right now um, out there. So, yeah, my name is Borangi, and uh, I originate was brought into the world through uh, um, the meeting of my mother and my father, like most of us, <laughs> hopefully. Um, and in a in a place known as Palenque, in the what is in Chiapas, Mexico, um, in an area that uh, Palenque is one of the, one of the archaeological sites nowadays, one of the Mayan empires, basically the head of it, one of the major power points in the Yucatan and and in the Southern Mexico there. And um, yeah, that kind of a magical place, if you will, you know, place where the tomb of Pacal is located there and those, and those pyramids and on par.
0: By by the way, not, not to interject, but did you know that Peyton and I about a year ago, we had another marriage ceremony down in the Yucatan in Merida.
1: Oh nice. Yeah. Oh, didn't and we that. was
0: very it was very much steeped in the Mayan culture. Yeah. It was beautiful. Oh, so awesome. anyway, I just awesome. share that. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of magical place is where my folks met and and invoked me. And then, um, I was later born in Brazil. My father's from Mexico and then moved back up to the States. Um, his father, my grandfather on my dad's side is, is, uh, was the okie if you will my family he was from oklahoma Mm. and was choctaw indian scotch irish mix um yeah who spoke fluent spanish and moved to mexico (laughs) met my grandmother so kind of a real hodgepodge of culture and and tradition if you will um yeah and so i grew up you know both my parents were musicians and artists um so fortunately they they shared a lot of that with me um my mom has been kind of a I don't know. She wouldn't call herself. I don't think an herbalist or healer or those kind of words. But she's always carried kind of that that medicine with her in her in her uh, bag of bag of tricks, if mm-hmm. you will. And my dad's always been working in the healing arts with art and using music and theater and different things to help people to heal. Um, his his main focus has been in uh, behavioral health, and so working with you know how do we treat all those conditions and working with youth and things like that and and usually especially socioeconomically depressed places um and so i used to accompany all that stuff growing up that was like you know seeing how art is used for healing so for me that was never a, a weird concept it kind of was just like that's just what you do uh, i mean sure. w- what else would art be for kind of a thing you know
0: i mean it's it's fun but fun is healing god that's so in it's, so, <laughs> it's, it's not i mean you understand this growing you know spending so much time in the states but Art is part of school, and it's a thing that you're forced to do in a lot of ways, right? And it has a much different, very different connotation, yeah. yeah. And so it's yeah. it's it's again, I think for listeners, I think that's probably more common than not. Is that's right. the experience, and so to hear um, a kind of a different manifestation of art in in the the purpose of it, um, yeah, is, is awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's really been for me the focal point of of my life's work. Um, you know, growing up, so I. You know, bounce back and forth. My folks split, unfortunately, then weren't able to, to hang in there together. It was pretty incredible, wild spirits, both of them. And so I spent most of my childhood kind of bouncing around back and forth between them and um, different periods living in different parts of the world, you know, between South and Central and North America, um, finally to kind of stabilize in Arizona. Um, in the Southwest, which has been really an amazing place to call home the desert and Mm -hmm. uh, really feel a deep connection to the desert. Um, And I live there to this day in Sedona, up in the North where you've come and visited us a few times. And yeah, you know, so for me um, now, as I was saying, the focal point of my work is, is kind of gotten clear and clear. You know, I, I did the academic thing. I thought I was going to be a doctor kind of, you know, first person in my family to, to go to Ivy League, you know, I went to Duke university and, you know, on a scholarship and kind of always kind of fighting for that thing, being the eldest of all my little brothers and just like, mm-hmm. I have to be the one, you know, to do it. And then kind of getting there and seeing like, wow, this this medical model is really effed up and uh, feeling, well, it's just about business, just about money ultimately and seeing that firsthand shadowing doctors in the Duke Medical Center and things like that. Mm-hmm. Then I switched into Neurosci, got into that world because I was like, okay, well, if it's not through that, let me see, I want to understand this connection. Like how does art, music, dance, movement, sound, create this healing? What is it doing in us actually, you know, anatomically, um, biologically speaking?
0: And I love that you didn't just pack up and go home, right? Because it didn't agree with you, right? I mean, and, and but also I think that not to be overlooked is the fact that you were there. And even though this was a path that you thought you were supposed to take, and maybe mom and dad had suggested it or whatever, but like you... You were you reserved the right to change your mind and you didn't stay on that path because you had told yourself you had to do it. Right. I think right. a lot of times we do that, right? We're held up on those things where we make this commitment, this agreement. Yeah. Based on usually it's like maybe it's a little intuition, but it's a lot of lack of information. And so you get there. Right. <laughs> rather than following through, right? Yeah. On that path, you're like, well, what else do they have to offer here? Like I can learn. Right, and so I'm you, here to learn. Yeah,
1: that's the point, right? Show up willi- with the willingness and determination. Like I'd fought so hard to get there, so it wasn't like I'm not going to go back and just like be like, oh, I give up on this. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, I guess there's a, yeah, there's so many stories within so the so that much so trajectory. Unfa- Again, so that's why you're you're, I'm you're giving you like, multiple. The <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot in there. If I unpack it all, but the I guess the piece the piece of that that I'll speak to though is that um there was a lot of resistance from my family because of course they're like, Kind of betting on me, you know, a little bit. It's like, sure. wow, you know, you you made it there. Like you said, you're going to do this medical thing. What? what why aren't you doing that? Like, uh, but the funny thing was that my dad couldn't pull the old card of like, hey, I'm paying for your school. You're going to do that because oh, yeah. I got my own scholarship. I paid yeah. my own way there. Yeah. And so it was like, I'm like, actually, no, I'm not doing that. It's not. That's not my truth. And he had a really hard time. And um, for a while, even after college, like him accepting that I was going to be an artist was like,
0: what the hell, you know? it's like, And how were you able to like? I think a lot of people crumble under that, right? Like totally. dad's approval, mom's approval, right. and this right. this idea that that you have an opportunity, right, to save the family or whatever be that right. one and to let go of that. Like mm-hmm. what was that like for you in those years, right? Until mm-hmm. maybe the the ultimate healing. But like how did you wrestle with that?
1: Yeah, it's a good question you know, there's, there's so many different ways that as I grew up, and as I mentioned, I was kind of split family, um, bouncing around and my grandfather, the Oki, I was mentioning earlier, uh, his name is Donovan, um, big Don, he used to, you know, he'd always be so accepting, he had such a big heart. He had also a lot of trauma. was really abused as a child, Grew up on a farm, you know, all kinds of really heavy trauma happened to him. So that came through the, the, the men in my family, you know, really tra- traumatized, physically, verbally abusive, that passed down to my dad and my dad got better, but still some of that got to me as well. And then I actually when ended up, my grandfather raised me a lot when my dad and my mom couldn't take care of me. My grandparents actually stepped in and helped to pay for my way through my high school, which is where I really got my English down and where I got my grades to a point that I got the scholarship to Duke. So I studied with Jesuits in high school at a Jesuit school. Um, and so that, that experience and the role that my grandfather played was always kind of like a father figure in a, in a big way. And he was very technologically minded. He worked on the first radar when it first came out, he was in the military. And he, he's just always a brilliant man, worked for Honeywell and was developing when computers took up, one computer took up the size of a warehouse. Yeah, He was in, they used punch cards, like. That my my Damn. grandfather was up in that mm. and so he, you know his house always was thrown about with hard drives and all kinds of crazy stuff big brick things like the 20 megabyte hard drive you know it's massive thing <laughs> and he you know so when i was little and i go visit him he'd like say he'd give me those old parts and he'd be like here take it apart put it together and like so i used to that's how i got all my technological kind of sav uh. savviness you know Doing that as a kid and understanding these things and he'd break down like what bits and bytes and megabytes look when I was little, like understanding ones and zeros and how does that translate? I mean, stuff that I don't think you typically get as a little kid. Fuck no. You know, so I was, like, <laughs> so was getting that from my gran- my grandfather. And then when I'd go spend time with my abuelita, my grandmother, you know, she was a, a healer. She she later in life, she was an education she was a teacher, a bilingual ed teacher, and and later would go back and and become a sobadora, which was a uh, laying on of the hands, a so body worker, kind of you know. And she eventually got her massage license later on when she finished with teaching. Um, and her teachers, who I eventually went to go study with, but I'll get to that, I guess, in the in the story, but. <laughs> Point being is that I kind of had these two worlds with them and then with my mother at that time through my high school is when my mother was sun dancing and was up on the res. So I'd go spend time with her and then I was in the Jesuit kind of high school, you know, getting that whole download of like kind of the Catholic doctrine, if you will. Mm. However, I will give full credit to the Jesuits. I mean, they're very educationally and academically focused so there's a line of interrogation like in, in inquisitiveness that they always push so even though it's like yeah we're catholic and this is the doctrine and this is the dogma there's also this kind of like Academic, like even examination of that and what does that really mean? And like don't believe everything you're told. Mm, I didn't which know is that. so cool. I think yeah. that of all the sects of Catholicism, I feel, um, yeah, I think that's an actually pretty unique and beautiful thing about the Jesuits. Cause you know, they're they've been the pioneers. They've been the first ones to translate Mandarin, you know, into English and connect, you know, first ones in the Amazon trying to connect with the tribes. I mean, for better or for worse, but they've always been the first ones on the spot to really pioneer that through history and and for reasons that people is debatable. Some people would say, you know, to manipulate things and whatever and control mm-hmm. things. But in other ways, they've also helped, I think, in some ways, what could have just been a total annihilation of culture. They've done, there's been Jesuits, I think, who've really done amazing work. And to I, you the know, contrary. Th-
0: You bring up a great point there, too. And I think oftentimes we want to paint a certain group with with one brush, right? And right. not appreciate that there's nuance, there's a gray area, that there are some good, there's some bad. And it's all kind of a mix. Yeah. Um, and so I, I love that you shared that about the Jesuits. I didn't know that. Yeah. Not that I really had an opinion one way or the other, but... Right. It's, but there's, uh,
1: a you know, when you mention anything Catholic kind of these days... Yeah, it's I think trigger there, people, a trigger for people, good lot. or bad. Yeah. And the, and for good reason. I mean, there's a lot of traumas, a lot of not so great things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, just speaking, you know, my experience going through that education was incredible. I mean, I feel like I learned things from them. And these were these were the professors who I got to study with, the Jesuit priests who I, I worked with in high school, these are all people I was blown away. They were like the kind of people where in the if they were in a lay lay person's world. Right. And they had normal jobs. They could have been at the top of their field in biology and, you know, business and you name it. Like these are really smart, smart people. Yeah. They're not just like, oh, I just want to be a priest because I'm not doing well anywhere else. It's like, no, I'm a badass and I feel called to be in service. And I feel, you know, that this is a path it's a spiritual path, you know? So they're like in a way, a Jedi order of a sort.
0: That's which, amazing. I didn't which is, I- had no idea and i love that because i think that's such again a part of your history or at least yeah. how i know you is yeah. that how are you called to serve right and that's been one of the big lessons mm-hmm. that i've taken from our relationship is is again like it's not all about getting to the top of fill in the blank right, right. it's about right. what really fills my cup what makes me feel nourished um yeah. and it's that call to serve which i think for me it was really a new concept over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. but it's been such a beautiful kind of eye-opening, awakening experience to step into that. And and, and you mentioned uh, your mom uh, going to Sundance, and that is something that I want to um, just put in everyone's ear. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but you'll see just kind of the almost juxtaposition of the Jesuits and maybe what the Sundance means to people. Um, yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other thing, um, but also very
1: related. So for me, it was kind of getting each of those different perspectives, if you will, or cosmologies of the universe and how it works. And so as, as, as a young man, you know, in my formative years, it was like, Okay. Wow. These are kind of seem like very contradictory worlds. In fact, right? Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. On paper, <laughs> um, fucking, on,
1: uh, fucking totally contradictory. And white. Yeah. You know, really contradictory. And like, wait, you experience God this way. You experience God this way. Like, where is God in this? Here is this, tech, you know, technology. All of these pieces. So all of those things were really formative for me in in, in giving me like this also growing up in three languages, you know, Spanish, Portuguese, and English. Um, not able to speak any of them very well because it's just, oh, you know, I'm just- <laughs> I'm yeah, like, Jack of one? all trades, yeah. master and I'm sure. In a way, just by the nature of it's like so much information. So like in within my own identity um, growing up, it was always a question of like, who am I? Where do I fit in this thing? You know, what part of this mosaic is me? and And can I fully embrace? And I just, you know, when you're young, all you want to do is fit in. All you want to do is be accepted. I mean, maybe that's also true here as an adult, but I think sure. very, very much as a child, though, mm-hmm. it's just like, please, I don't want to be the odd kid out. I don't want to be the one. And that was my experience throughout my childhood. I was always the one who's like, oh, he's the one with the weird name, you know, the Po Ray Paraguay, whatever yeah. you go sit, you know, over there. Yeah, you know? And then your and last so, name's
0: McGrew, which is, right. again, right. I, I
1: love the two. The juxtaposition, yeah. yeah. Which speaks to the diversity that I think makes who I am now and as an adult, I'm grateful for that diversity. Like mm-hmm. now I have the hindsight, you know, and the ability to like all those pieces of the mosaic is what informs my ability to, I feel, be a bridger of worlds and which is what I do in my music Um, is what I do in my healing
0: practice. So it's okay. So I just need to pause right there because as I was preparing again, like I I really wanted to prepare um, as much as I could for this because there is so much to cover and I know we're not going to cover it all on, but I I do want to stay kind of on point. But that's exactly how I viewed you. Like, the, for me, a bridger of worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, that whether it was the physical and the metaphysical and bringing that together, or the the modern world and the ancient world, and and you know the technological world and and Gaia and like so and just for me, it's like you, you you're this beautiful melting pot of, of all these things, right? You're not, um, you don't kind of put your your flag in the ground and say this is who I am. Mm-hmm. It's like you're just a very open person, and it just your ability to love unconditionally and to accept and to listen and to learn Mm -hmm. and to not put someone in the cave, right. Or an idea in the cave, like has been such an amazing teacher for me. And so I just wanted to pause there because the bridge or you absolutely the bridge (laughs) of worlds for me. So anyway. Yeah. um,
1: Yeah. So that, I mean, that's basically the, the essence I feel of why the spirit creator, God, whoever you want to call goddess, um, put me in that i feel was to prepare me for what is my life mission which you know became has is, is always been clear to me like i've always known that i've been called to a path of healing always since i was little i knew that so i always knew that you know being a doctor was just the natural thing when you think of what's a who's a healer what what does that look like in our mainstream mm-hmm. you know in, in american culture um it's the doctor el doctor and and so for me, that's why I thought, okay, that's that's where I pointed my compass. Um, but little did I know that I'd get into it and then I'd say, oh no, there's actually a doctor, the doctor in our culture is actually the business person, the gateway keeper for pharmaceutical industry. Mm. Um, it's very different. The symptom treater, not who's actually accessing what's underneath the underlying core issue. Um, and so, what was great is that in that journey, and I'll, I'm going to skip over a lot because there's just there's so much, and I know we have limited time. Um, what I got to underneath all of that was back full spiral back to what I learned as a child, which was art is one of the most powerful ways that we can heal and address the underlying core issues that the symptoms are just kind of like showing us that there's something. Something's not well, something's out of balance. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of the most powerful medicines, vibrational medicines, because in a way, you know, it, it's for me and what I've come along in my journey is, is music and dance. And, and it's so powerful and potent and, and kind of how that happened. I'll tell this quick story if I can, yeah. is I was, um, so I was second year in at Duke. And, um, I met these upperclassmen and I was so grateful. I was also DJing as a way to pay for my way through school, you know, scholarship only covers so much. Yeah. And so I was, you know, having to play for frat sorority pa- parties, you know, and, and play music. And I had already gotten into DJing. And so I was on vinyl, like for real DJing, actual, like, you know, oh, turn tables have my 1200 techniques and, mm. you know, scratching and mixing. And, and so I was doing that kind of like in the, you know, on the weekends, if you will, and so I met these upperclassmen playing a house party for them. And these guys were all brilliant. They were all like super, super smart kids. Um, and they were all into uh, a part of Duke that was called Program 2. And they kind of, I didn't even know about it. It's a very, it was little talked about, kind of not really, kind of a fringe program in a way. But what it is, Duke was one of the first Ivy Leagues, I think Princeton was the other one to offer this, where if you didn't find a major minor that, that really worked for you, and you could actually build a case and write an honors thesis and defend it to a board of doctors, you actually, in program two, you could design your own major. And so I actually they told me about it, and they're like, "You should just do this." And we're like, "I'm like, how do I do that?" Like I was just like, "This overwhelming." Yeah, like I, I, I have to design my whole four years of study, like you know, and make a whole argument why you know I deserve to take my own course of study, interdisciplinary, you know, cross departments, and yeah. And so they kind of mentored me a little bit, and I I wrote it, I proposed it, and I started my sophomore year into my program two, uh, which was titled "Healing Through Music and Dance: Psychological and Cultural Perspectives." Mm. And so it was essentially an integration of me pulling like all the most juicy classes out of, you know, neuroscience, biology, cultural anthropology, uh, philosophy, music department, dance department, like all of those brought together. And then I found a mentor and, you know, one of the professors there, uh, Luis Menkes, who's an ethnomusicologist. So I also kind of got that ethnomusicology mm. um, piece in there. And so that's what I did at Duke. I went and dove totally deep into that question of how do we heal through music and dance? How are those healing modalities? Why are they in every single culture, no matter where you look on the planet Earth, where you see human beings, you see some form of movement or sound as a central, central part of their identity, of their healing practices, of their everything, you know, their whole cosmology woven around these things. And, and it could be argued maybe the one place where you see less of that is in our modern society yeah, you or, a, or w- hospital room. Or Oh gosh. Right. And why isn't that in a hospital room one? And yeah. then two, why is it that it's so separated from our daily life? Why is it that w- music and dance for us is only experienced either through going to a place where we drink alcohol and we have to get, you know, wasted and then we're able to then open up that channel. Yeah. But it's, Or it's through our, you know, smart devices and, you know, ear pods and like, we're just like in our own universe and that's how we experience. But when do we actually come together anymore to make music together as a community? When do we ever come around a fire and play music and dance together as a community with grandpa and the grandchildren, all the generations present? All of our ancestors did this, but we've somewhere along the way that was lost and all of that has been kind of like removed. And instead, what do we do? We stick our elders into old folks' homes mm-hmm. and we stick our children into daycare, childcare. And so there's a break in the lineage of how knowledge is transmitted from our grandparents down to the children. And this is something that is huge. You know, I was, I was blessed that I, I got ended up staying with my grandparents yeah. as a kid. And so I got that download. You know, my grandfather was way more chilled out by the time I came around you know, to work with his grandson versus when he was working with his kids. So all the mistakes he made with his kids, he was able to kind of do a little bit better job. Yeah, And, you know, because he'd been through it kind of. And so there's an intelligence in that process that is lost when then it's just a parent with the child. You know, you don't have that, those other, those other stages of life, there informing, I feel the, the circle of life that is part of our intelligence and part of our healing. And then you layer that in with, music and dance and how those those come into play and I feel like there's a there's a formula for healing there that I started to un, unravel when I was in college and, and in my research and then that then has just been my life's work you know basically I never went on to do a you know grad school per se grad school became just what I do it's just like yeah. The
0: actual, it's putting it into practice.
1: Yeah. I went to uh, the Bay Area and looked at the California Institute of Integrative Studies, CIIS. It's an amazing school. Um, and they have a program in expressive arts therapy. And I was thinking, okay, maybe I have to go do the, you know, for the academic side of what society yeah. wants, right? Okay. I need to go there and get like that license and blah, 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 and have that piece of paper to show that this, I'm not woo-woo. And this isn't just some, you know, whatever. And I went there to meet with the department head. And he looked at what I was doing and already was working on and what my, and he's just like, you don't need to come here. Oh, that's, awesome. that's literally what he told me. Mm. It was amazing meeting with this guy, brilliant human being. And mm. he, you know, he sits there and he's just like, you're doing it. He's like, you can come here and give me your money and I'll give you this thing. But he's like, just do what you're doing. It doesn't, you know. And so that that advice was like, okay, that was kind of like, I just needed the spirit just to give me that permission to be like, and so I haven't looked back and now it's just been full force of like, how do I bring the healing arts and, and the work that I do also as a licensed massage therapist, body worker, um, and layering that into the sound work that I do and then doing that on the stage performing and mm-hmm. sharing that with the world in a big way like that is reaching more people, yeah. you know, in one go. And then doing the retreat work is kind of where then I can take people deeper into that experience. So,
0: yeah, I hope yeah. that's the synopsis. <laughs> is helpful. That was amazing <laughs> by the way. And in all those things that you just talked about, I've, Fortunately, I've been able to experience, I've been yeah. able to experience the bodywork with the sound that the one-on-one I've, I've been to several of your performances, your live performances, your sound healings, which are, are, are both different. Um, I've been on retreat with you where I've gone deeper and I've actually sang, which was horrifying for me, but <laughs> you, you and Anahata and, and Ash were great to me and into the group. But, um, you know, I'd love to just spend a little mm-hmm. bit of time to talk about each kind of one of those areas. Because for me, like, again, my experience with you is that you've attained or, or, or you've stepped into a level of mastery in each of these areas, whether it's as a musical maestro, um, as a body worker. And by the way, it's not just you doing the body work. Mm-hmm. What I really appreciated about the times that we've worked together is we sit down and you tap into what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. so you understand where my current state of affairs is how's my relationship right. with my wife what's going on with the kids how are things in general and that really informs right mm-hmm. how you move forward with with the with the session and 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 then you, you you bring in sound which is just a complete journey on its own um and then again um you know I, I do want to talk a little bit about um sundance because that's a, obviously a a completely separate podcast, but I want to talk about you know your <laughs> your experience, experience as a as a sun dancer, um, and then just in general, I think you uh, present yourself in a very um, as this you know listen medicine man and, and part shaman like there's this ability to pull all these things together and channel um, and to help people heal mm-hmm. right and you you know I would argue that you wouldn't say you're a healer but you give people permission, you should give them the tools on how to heal themselves. And I think mm. that's such a gift mm. um, because a lot of times in our society, we want to go some to someone to get fixed, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's the, the generally the medical model, but in, in a right. lot of areas, we, we don't want to have that personal responsibility, that accountability. And I think the power and the way you work with people is you know, the body work, sure, you're manipulating and in, in doing that work, but mm. you're also setting them up to advocate for themselves and to do their own work. Right? Because that's, you know, that integration is where the real change happens. You start, you, you get them off on the right path. You start to move some things, move some mm-hmm. energy, move some trauma, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but it's up to them to take the ball from there. And so, again, like, as as briefly or as in-depth as, in depth as you, you can go, like, let's talk a little bit about, you know, um, what it's like for you when you're performing on stage. And if you haven't seen Porangi play, it's... Remember Kyle told me, Kyle Kingsbury, before I went to the first sound healing, um, he's like, dude, he's like, loops all these instruments. He starts it here and then he loops. And I'm just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've never seen anything <laughs> like this. And so... Maybe just for the listeners, the uninitiated, can you give them a little bit um, of an idea of what it looks like? And I will definitely link in the show notes to some videos of okay. you performing and as as well as many other things. But I think it's important to actually see it in person. But if you can't, mm-hmm. YouTube's the next best. Venue. Yeah. Yeah. There's the videos. Of course, they don't quite capture
1: all the magic, oh. but um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so just speak to, to what, what that's like, or.
0: Yeah. So what's that exp- like when you step in, like, you know, this idea, mm-hmm. I think of, of tapping in of channeling, ah, right. Great. Cause you know, the, the um, performance you had Saturday night was, I mean, it's clear that that wasn't something that was rehearsed or anything like you got into the space, you read the room and you tapped in and in this notion of channeling, I think for a lot of my listeners is, is very foreign. And so maybe yeah. really just break that down, what that feels like yeah, and how they're maybe able to do it. Right. I mean, a lot of times we are, I mean, I would argue we're not able to channel because we have so much going on in the monkey mind. Right. And we can't quiet that.
1: I think, yeah, you hit it on nail on the head. Um, I think that's the big piece is we get in our own way and so one of the things that my whole practice i guess you could say at the core of it is is cultivating tools and and practices and ways of getting out of the way how do i get into flow state how do i get into the state where my monkey mind the the talk the judge all the the talking kind of like always analyzing always reflecting always trying to like you know evaluating and comparing that little judge is like getting that judge to just shut up and take a hike, and like that's, you know, going back to like why do people have to go out and feel like they have to get inebriated to dance and to move their body? You know, in our culture, that's kind of the norm, and I think you you start to get at this underlying thing because the judge is always hanging out there evaluating, and and the judge was is informed. This this judge that I'm referring to, this kind of like uh, that voice in our head. Or may, many voices, depending. Mm. You know, I feel originates back from early on in our in our young childhood. You know, where we were told to shut up, or we were told, you know, that we were a fat, or that we were skinny, or that we were this, or that we were that, and somebody, whether it was a peer or an adult, at, that we trusted, that we believed, and we swallowed that, and we made an agreement in that moment. Mm. You know, that basically became a chain one of the links in this chain that started to chain us up and chain up our heart and chain up our body. And so as we grow that those stories and those agreements started to inform our self identity and how we express ourselves out into the world. And it's fundamentally what has become the prison that then we continue to move with. And so as best as I have been able to in in my practice in my life, it's been looking at those and going into them and then dismantling them, taking those agreements out, bring them out into the light, name them for what they are so they don't just have power and they're not just running in the background, mm. controlling, manipulating, and really bringing them out into the light and then loving them and then loving them and shedding them and letting them dissolve in the love and self-acceptance and self-love. And that self-love piece is the core of all of it. I mean, if i just going to say like simply put, It's all about self-love and it's not narcissism and it's not like, you know, I got to look like my life is perfect on Instagram kind of self-love. It's like the real self-love, like what is your daily practice of loving yourself and what does that look like? What are the statements, the self-affirmations and what are the ways then when you have that self-love by the very nature of loving ourselves, the emptiness, that hole that has been created because of the lack of self-love. And that's that hole we're always trying to fill. And in consumer culture, it wants us to feel that. Because if there's a vacuum inside of us, because we don't have self-love, then we're trying to always buy things to fill that hole. And we're the best consumer ever. Uh, And we're totally disempowered and we're totally disconnected. So all of my work and everything that I do in my teaching side of life and my healing work, if you will, is around helping people connect to the self-love. To, to connect, to identify where the hole is, where's mm, the vacuum, yeah. and to find now how do we activate our true authority as authors, as creators, as generators of a creative expression. That's where opening the voice, all the work that I do with the voice and with the body is about Because those two mediums of movement, sound, moving our bodies, opening our voices, immediately connect us to this creativity, to this child. It goes back to that kid that before we made those agreements and started to swallow the lies and poison from our adults and peers, there's this raw version of ourselves that is unadulterated, that that is in those eyes of a baby. When you look at a baby and they look through your soul, and you just know like, oh, thank you. Like that's truth. Yeah. And so it's part. is really connecting back to that truth, that innocence, that wonder. How fucking amazing it is that we're here, and how incredible this life is. The fact that I can breathe and be sitting here with you in this moment, with everything that's happening in the cosmos, and we can be having this conversation. So, having that awe is is the key, I think, to unlocking then our cynicism, uh, that inner critic, that you know, cynical part of us, right? That just shuts everything down and makes everything, this this gets in the way. And so back to your question, when I get up on stage or whatever, when I'm in a session, in a healing session, I'm basically intentionally setting an intention, a meditation. I'm asking that part of myself, okay, thank you. You've been great. I need you to step aside now and get out of my own way. And when I get out of the way, what I've found time and time again is that who comes in? What comes into that vacuum? What comes in through me is spirit, God, Creator, mystery, the void, and from that place of emptiness, suddenly it's like I'm not doing the thing. It's not about me doing the thing. Me, porangi this this ego, this personality, this you know amalgamation of experiences. It's it's spirit. It's like I become the hands of spirit. I become the the sound of spirit. I become the breath. Spirit, inspirare, ins- and to be inspired. It's like being inspired, drawing in the breath of our ancestors, mm-hmm. the ancient ones, like literally bringing in the same breath that my grandfather, when he took his last breath, he exhaled, right? Mm-hmm. When your, your ancestors, when they died, when they yeah. passed, their breath leaves the body. And it's the same breath we're breathing now. Yeah, it's not change. You know, mm. it's it's the same thing. So we forget that it's the same water that we're made up as. The same water has been here for since the beginning. Yeah. Wow. And that's, so, and
0: that's powerful. By the way, I think that <laughs> I don't want that to get lost in all that you're sharing right yeah. now. But that breath and the water and like it's it's, been it's around. the same one. Yeah.
1: It's just we've just changed all these forms, but it has a memory. There's a and that's been something that's actually studied and measurable. There's a memory in water. There's a memory. And this memory, this imprint, this vibrational imprint, you know, soul print, fingerprint, it's there and it informs us if we can listen to it, if we can become subtle and and aware enough in our subtle body, and our subtle energy, it's constantly informing us. And so some people may call that intuition. Some people may call that, you know, that gut instinct, you know, so all of those are connected in my opinion. Um, And so when we're really listening and we're not listening from the place to the chatter of our own mind. And we can actually get out of the way and obviously plant medicines and meditation. There's all these other ways to get this. Mm-hmm. For me, the medium is music and dance, but I I think it's, which is a fun medium, frankly, yeah. and it doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. And it's right there, you know, so mm-hmm. I encourage people to check this one out. You might like it, <laughs> yes. try it on, <laughs> Just try it on. You got nothing to lose. Other than, you know, you'll have some self-judgment issues (laughs) come up, you know, like, oh, I don't know how to move. It's like, it's great. Just give it a try. The funny thing about both music and dance is that the more you do them, the easier they become and the more fun they become. And and it's like the more graceful you get. And it's just the nature of it. You just got to do it. You just got to get yourself out of the way, Mm -hmm. you know, because you just that part of it's like, I'm going to sit on the wall like in junior high. Right. And like, I'm not going to be the first one out there. You got to get out of that way and surrender the judgment and what you think others, because you're judging yourself harder than anybody else ever will, right? Such a fact. It's a trip. And so it's just like, get out of the way and just go for it. Throw yourself into it. And it takes courage and it's not, doesn't mean it's not going to be scary, you know fear is fucking just that's fear is fear fear is always going to be there i'm always scared i always get some fear come up for me when i'm going to do anything yes. and the thing is is like you start to cultivate your courage muscle and the courage muscle is that you do it anyway mm-hmm. you say fuck it you know i'm going to fucking do it and i don't i don't really care what anybody else thinks i i only live once that i know of yeah and so i got to make this count yeah you know And I feel like that's a big takeaway, you know, I I feel, I hope people can, can really resonate with that and feel into that, what that means. It's like, you only get that one opportunity. If you stood against the wall in junior high at every dance yeah, and now you're an adult, right? It's like, what, what did you miss out on all those times? What could have been the experiences and and the conversations and who knows the portals that could have opened, had you just like taken the risk?
0: Yeah. And I love this. Like each time you did it, you swallowed another agreement and that that chain became yeah. bigger.
1: Yeah. Locked you up. And so then we come into our adult life and then God, man, we're so conditioned and programmed and all of that. And so when you then get in, now let's come back to the medical model. When you get into the whole thing of like symptom dis- disease, what's at the core of so much of the disease and disease that we see in the world is traced back to these agreements. You know, I'm fat. For instance, you know, this whole thing around like body image and I have to look this certain way, you know, I'm to this, I'm to that. And so this body shape thing and judging ourselves. So then all the food disorders, all of the eating disorder, all the colon issues, right? Mm-hmm. And lack of, so all the stagnation in our gut because we haven't had, we have all these agreements that are just like have us shut down and contracted. And so a big part of this is like movement, what you move, literally it clears stagnation. If we start to move the energy in our body, start to dance our body, literally you're helping the whole body as an organism to move and to wring out the toxicity. It's like, if you're always still, you're sitting at a desk, you know what I mean? Yeah, you go to a gym, you move weights, there's something, but there's something so linear and so like non-creative about going to a gym that kills me. Like, it's one of the things I, I can't, it's really hard for me. It's like, yeah. you, I mean, on, on one level, it's like, it can be creative. Sure. But, I, but I feel like the
0: I'm, I'm making a generalization here. No, for, and that, that's fine. And I think just, you know, for, for my own experience, like yeah. I finally come into a place where, um, you yeah, know, for so long I was, I was uh, building muscle, like really hitting the pile, like super focused and was, you know, not surprisingly um, getting a, a a lot of accolades from people like man you look great oh i've never seen someone 44 years old you know all that stuff right but what was i doing i was building armor and it was just the armoring for me because there were there were parts about me that i had shame around or whatever that i was trying to protect like if i show them this big guy right that'll keep the stink off of the stuff that i haven't dealt with yet right right and that's where again like you, you you unpack so much um right there, that, that self love piece for me. Mm. Right. And, and, um, you know, as you were talking about, it was like, it was very emotional because it hits home for me. Um, Mm. like a lot of people, I had all those agreements, yeah. you know, and it's the, as you start to unlock those, it gets scary because those agreements actually give you some sort of, unfortunately a place to anchor. Um, and so there's some comfort in that. And totally. So as you start to let go of those things, it's like, oh no, I'm not who. Who am I? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you can eventually get some comfort around that, that you don't need to be anybody other than like who you your true nature is. Yeah. Um, then 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 you can come into this place of peace and self love and, and obviously the self forgiveness comes along with that. Um, but it's a scary road as we unpack these things and unlock these chains. It's, and so it's not for the faint of heart, but like when it, when it's uncomfortable, like Mm -hmm. that's an indication that you're actually doing the work because there's that, like I said, that comfort in just like, okay, this is just who I am. And I've made these agreements and it's very easy to live, you know, in that skin. Um, but it ends up not being who we are. Totally. I think, um,
1: Pink Floyd said it really well, you know. I've become comfortably numb. Oh, fuck so, yeah! Right, and yeah. so this notion of comfortably numb—it's like I feel. Societally speaking, we are so deep in that. In that, as a as a people, right? It's like we wh- look who's in our leadership. Look what's happening all around us. Look at what impact I would argue negatively were happening on the whole planet. Yeah. We're, we're we're facing a mass extinction right now. Mass extinction event e- equivalent to a comet hitting the earth like thirty thousand species going extinct annually like that's mind-boggling and so when you look at those kind of things and seeing that that's actually a direct result of our choices and how we're choosing to live on the planet or or not live how to we're choosing to die on the planet in a really insidious way it's like okay where where where's the disconnect why is that You know, why is that the case? And I feel it comes back to because we're so comfortable. We've created this system that's this consumer model, this consumer culture, for lack of a better word. You know, um, some people would argue that it's a form of colonialism. You know, neocolonialism It's like the corporate Coca-Cola, McDonald's, you know, being spread all about the planet. It's an extractive economy. It's like, how do I extract everything to make a profit? And the, the thing is that people are missing all of the people receiving that profit, you know, which is the, the top percent of the world is, is really impoverished. They're some of the most miserable people. Like mm-hmm. I have many friends who are very affluent and I see like, they're the people who have the most issues and conditions and like deep wounds that they're trying to deal. And they don't know what to do.
0: Listen, brother. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and this is, this is something that I've spoken about before, but like I, I had um, a similar experience where I, you know, had attained a certain level of affluence and was largely unfulfilled because what were the agreements that I swallowed? It was that if I got these things, I would be fulfilled. I was supposed to chase these things, right? And it's all about the money and it's about the house and the status and the this and the that. And so I went out and did that Mm. and then ended up with a marriage that was, you know, two people that were living in two different worlds you know, and it's, um, I mean, I'm grateful that I had the awakening, you know? Um, Mm. but not everybody has that opportunity, you know, or when it comes that they're not ready to receive it. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I'm, I, I love what you're saying. It's, it's, it's been my truth, Mm. you know? And Mm -hmm. so you know, part of the reason for doing this, right. It's the great unlearn. It's like what you're talking about. It's like undoing these agreements. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, the agreements that like I, like I just spoke about that, that, that I swallowed up about, you know, the fortune and the recognition in, in this achievement based economy, like what it ended up doing for me, you know, sure. I, I, I'm, it's afforded me the opportunity to go out to see you in Sedona for sure. And like, I don't, you know, so it's, again, this is nuanced, not good and bad, but it's, yeah. it's these agreements. We need to get in right relation with them and understand them. Right. And as you said, like you undo them and you love them for what they taught you, you know? And so thank you for, for bringing that up. That obviously struck a chord with (laughs) me. Yeah. No, I appreciate that.
1: You're still welcome, brother. I think, um, you know, it, at the core of all of this is like you said, there's there's no right and wrong. This isn't we live in a world of gray, in mm. fact, you know, and actually not, not gray, let me say we live in, in a world of gradients.
0: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Well yeah. said. You know, in gradients, I think of like a rainbow. You know, there's no like That red, that's the most sacred red ever, you know, but like all the other colors, forget them, let alone the gradients where each color transitions to the next color. Mm -hmm. It's about Mm. the richness of all of it, right? And every shade, every nuance, and it informs the beauty of this world. I, I say this from a place of growing up, like I said earlier, where I didn't know who I am, I don't know, am I American? Am I Brazilian? Am I Mexican? Am I am I white? Am I black? I don't get it. You know, when i be with my family, everyone's dark skin. I came out light skinned, you know, so I was never accepted even there. When I'm, you know, in, in a white situation, I'm like the person of color, so to speak. <laughs> so it's always, always weird, you know, as a yeah. Sundancer being in there and I don't look as native as my other brothers and sisters. So always sticking out. And so ultimately what that has taught me is that I'm just a certain part of this gradient. Mm-hmm. And it makes me appreciate all of those colors, all of those ways, all of those different ways of being. And because they all inform the richness of the whole, because ultimately we are one, mm-hmm. which is the, the real deepest truth I feel that we can ever stumble upon. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that we can talk about, but it's, it's another thing when you
0: embody that truth. For sure. And that, know, that's been, for me, it's been like that. I feel like that, if there's anything, it's my quest is to embody that oneness because I Mm -hmm. I understand it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a newer concept to me. I was so used to um, the differentiation, right? The, who am I with the identities and, you know, just putting myself in a certain box or on a certain, you know, uh, pedestal or or whatever, right? Or even in the cave at, at certain times, right? But the more I've, surrender to this notion that there is as you said this these this, this gradients which i think is a beautiful way to say it right mm-hmm. there is no one way to define each of us which you know we we do right for sake of simplicity to be able to move on to the next thing or whatever yeah. our reasons are yeah it's uncomfortable to think like i can't just put you in a category right like mm-hmm. think that i have to take in all of you who you are mm-hmm. It's too much for people because they want an answer. <laughs> right. We want a fucking answer. We want a short answer. <laughs> right. And we want to, and, and it's it's like that notion of, um, of not knowing and, and seeing the beauty and in how informed you actually are when you understand that you don't know or you don't need to know. Hmm. Right? Because a lot of times those answers, they're not, truths their opinions Mm -hmm. right often yeah and so that's again you know probably within the past within the past year that was something that really came to me strongly that like Mm. i don't really know that much you know and it was like very um liberating for me because I n- didn't feel like I had to defend a bunch of shit that I didn't believe in anymore because I right. thought before I had to believe in certain things to defend it because that made me a man because I had opinions and that whole fucking rabbit hole, right? Mm-hmm. And it had a hold in me Um and just letting go of that and just being, again, much more nuanced in the way I speak and the way I speak about things the way I speak about my experience, Versus something that I'm learning about, right? And I think is such an important thing for us to really only speak upon things that we have direct experience. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we can't bandy about about things that we don't have experience, but like we should talk about our, our truths around those things, mm-hmm. right? And understand that if you and I have go into a, an experience, yours is going to be different than mine. Mm. You know that. I'm the only one who sees this world through these eyes and in this body, right? Absolutely. And I think a lot of times we forget that because we're so in, this is the only kind of portal we know Mm -hmm. um, in some ways. Um, I guess you could argue that that's not necessarily true, but for our purposes it is, right? And when we start to understand that we each have a different view of what's going on, I think then we can start to really appreciate what everyone has to say and understand that that maybe is their truth, even though it's not the same experience I had. Mm-hmm. But I think letting go of having to be right, right? And I think that that goes hand in hand with this notion of like, I just don't really know, but this is my experience with the right. fill in the blank. Yeah. I think it really allow people to move forward into that oneness. Mm-hmm. And that's been part of my process, right? I'm, I'm moving along the path. Right, but that embodiment is super challenging. Yeah. You know, I'm pulled out of it often. Right. Um, and so I, I love that you shared that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it's how, how do we get embodied? It's kind of my, one of my guiding principles, if you will. You know, I, I feel it's what experiences, practices, anything, you know, tools, um, medicines help me to become more embodied more connected to this body it's like i I always feel one of the epiphanies that i received in my life along the way was we were born into a physical body for a reason like there's deep knowledge and wisdom just in this experience if we can cultivate and master what it is to be in this human meat suit Mm. you know the soul in this meat suit if you will And I feel that's one of the things that it's so ironic that now all of our technology and all of the things that we see in our society are like trying to give us ways to get out of our body, right? It's all like virtual reality, augmented reality. All of these technologies are like, you know, dissociative. They're like, get me out of here. I don't want to be in this experience. And, And so it's a really interesting time. It's like, technology is kind of moving us in this way of disembodied like i want to upload my personality to an ai to this you know mainframe that'll live forever and what does that really mean it's like well what ultimately is the point of this experience of why we came here like what are we doing here is it just eat up all the resources and just leave this beautiful jewel you know of a a mess and just destroy it burn it all up and then another species come along and eventually heal itself and take you know the next era epoch. Mm. I don't think it's that. I, I honestly don't believe that. I mean, some people might argue that. Uh, my hit is that it's it's about we're here to learn and to master what it is to be an embodied being. And my experience as a body worker, and and you know through that lens of somatic therapy, it's it's also inviting us to look at okay, how can we look at the way that in a body we're holding trauma. How is that trauma there mapped into our body and the way our body moves and the way it undulates and the way that it you know is expressed? And how do we tap into that and get into the the nuance and the medicine of when we can vibrate and move stuff out that's been stuck. And it may look like it's an agreement. It may be something that was told to you as a little boy and you've been holding, maybe it was like, boys don't cry, suck it up, Cal. Yeah. Right? Is that maybe something? <laughs> yeah, right? fuck so, yeah. So what does that look like for you? It's like, this like sucking it in, holding it, contraction in your diaphragm that you've been holding since you were little and not allowed, like it's not okay to just let my belly be soft and just to connect to my soft underbelly. And what does that feel like when there's room and space down there? And then how that changes your whole attitude, your whole energy towards your wife and your children and in life when you're in that space and connected to your Dantian, to your, you know, this lower energy center, in your breath in that way, suddenly it's like the impact that you have in the world, the ripples, if you will, in the water that you're sending out then have a whole different energetic imprint. And I really believe that if we're all doing that work and each of us is like unwinding those traumas in this embodied experience, that it, the whole world becomes more beautiful. So as we then create beauty within ourselves and we make things more beautiful than the way we found them, suddenly the world is transformed just like that. And I really believe that that's why human beings have come here. And ultimately that dance, part of the responsibility of that dance, if I can then make this statement is to then cultivate our relationship to, to how to be way showers, how to be light bearers because we're fire keepers
0: Mm. and
1: and fire keepers. What does that mean? You know, I say that um, without impact, just pack it a little bit for you. So like, so, of all the animals on planet earth, we were gifted the power of relationship, power of fire. We were given the gift of fire and our ancestors have held fire and cultivated fire and have worked with fire for as long as anyone knows. And fire made it possible for us to cook foods, to actually have more nourishment, to help our brains to grow, to develop our civilization as we know it. And the evolution of fire, if you track it all the way up to these little devices that we carry around, oh yeah, it puts off heat. Mm-hmm. You feel it in your pocket. It's fire. This is the evolutionary equivalent to fire mm. technology. Like it, that concept. Yeah. And so just like with a fire, do you just leave a fire and just walk away from it? You know, like, do you just leave it untended? It's like, absolutely not, unless you want to burn down, you know, everything. And so that's the same thing. I feel like right now we're being called to be more embodied individuals, to heal that embodied experience so that we can create more beauty around us and to take care of the fire. Because right now we're at a, we're on the precipice of what's going to happen in this next chapter as as a species and as the dominant species suddenly on planet earth right is how are we going to use fire to illuminate the earth versus incinerate the earth Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i think that's really the big question i find right now is an existential question um and so how do we do that and now that's a big question now down in our own personal life what is your relationship to technology How is technology and fire in your life? How are you tending your fire? Like, you know, are you just handing iPads to your kids just because you can't deal with them and it's just like, let them Mm. do the thing, you know? How is that? Is everyone on the screen all the time and just like in your devices? Are you spending time just being related and connected to yourself, to your family, to nature? And how can you then use technology, all of us, to build empathy rather than alienate us? Mm -hmm. I think is one of the core questions Mm -hmm. right now with that. So those are some of the... The things that I'm I'm contending with just myself is like how can I use art and creativity and my work in the world to help bring about awareness and a dialogue in that realm and to help us heal that. Because I feel as we heal that relationship to fire and being light bearers. It's really the road forward. I feel like there's, there's, a, there's a key there that I'm still figuring out for myself even, but I feel like it's really important to start tracking it because that therein lies, I think, the key of how we're going to really evolve to this next stage, I think, of our, our evolution as a species and also as Earth guardians, as the keepers of this planet. Because I really feel like that's where we're headed if, if we can m- make those corrections. And it starts within ourselves. And it starts small. It starts with like, how much time do I spend looking at this freaking thing?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I love the the um kind of laying it out. There are we are we here to illuminate the earth, or are mm-hmm. we gonna incinerate it? You yeah. know, and it's it's kind. Of, it's there's a duality there. It's it's, it's going to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and so with and, in, in, in that actually, now just to be mindful of time. Um, <laughs> we are not going to get into the Sundance today because we don't have time. Okay. Um, but then I want to save that for, for round two um, because that, that uh, involves time and space to, to really unpack that. But this idea of the fire, right? Like I'd love for you to share um, a little bit about sweat lodge and, and, and what it's meant to you. Um, mm-hmm in the Lakota tradition and, and I've had the the opportunity um, to, to sweat with you before and it's been a beautiful experience. And so if you could just, for people who've never done it or have maybe done it in, in, in a different way, like sure. maybe unpack that a little bit for, for people.
1: Sure. Um, so the ceremony that, that you're referring to is known as the Nipi in Lakota. It's Purification Lodge. Um, and in Nipi, sweat lodge, um, in Mexico and Northern Mexico, we talk about temascal is one of the words that's used. It's another type of ceremony, but it's related in that they're all using, and this has been done by other cultures. Um, it's not just the Lakota, but it, it, that's one of the ones that's the most known and understood, especially in North America. It's a purification lodge. So what we do is it's one of many, several, seven, at least sacred ceremonies that we use, um, and this one specifically is around helping us to to cleanse, to purify. It's a way that we pray. Um, so you could equate it to you know, for those who go to church, it's like that idea of like it's like going to church. It's like you you do this on a weekly basis. This isn't like you know rare occurrence. You try to do it as often as you can, and and to to be able to realign yourself to kind of get back to like your calibration, if you will, to center. Um, and what's really powerful about this lodge, and why I, I personally feel it's one of the most powerful medicines that I know um, is that it's so simple. It's super simple. And what it el- enables us to do is to really connect the spirit just using the elements like earth, water, air, fire, and and spirit. And so it, basically to describe the ceremony briefly for people, it takes the course Um say four to eight hours we prepare the fire there's a specific way in which we prepare the fire the lodge is also built in a very specific way honoring the directions and the energetics of the space um And we heat stones, lava stones, essentially, um, seven, generally, four rounds that are done, seven stones each round, and those stones are heated up until they're glowing red hot. And they're brought in in each successive round um, and added to the center. And then during each round, we close the door. And in the darkness of the lodge, um, water is poured by the roadman or roadwoman and conducting the ceremony. And they will often, you know, kind of open up the space for prayer for song um and the ability for people to just share and open up the portal and communication with with the divine um through the stone elders the the stone nation and so you connect to that part of it's very much like a feminine energy if i could put it that way it's like for me it's like we're going into the womb You're going into the darkness you know so you're going back through the birth canal you know we humble ourselves we get on all fours we crawl into the lodge you're on the dirt you're on the earth it's very intentional so that we can connect to the earth and feel that mother the the primordial mother and when we see those stone people those stone relatives come in you know they talk to us you can hear them hissing and and sounds coming off of those stones as the water goes over them you see the glowing red of the rock and you remember that's where we come from right? The most ancient beings on this planet are the stones, mm. right? We, and we forget that. Yeah. And so we forget like they talk, they have information, they have so much knowledge. We take it for granted. I mean, all of these devices I was just talking about, they are all powered with crystals. Mm. <laughs> we forget like there's quartz, there's freaking crystals that are in there and the silicone and everything that makes up our computer chips, mm. it's coming out of those stone people.
0: Mm.
1: So their intelligence is like the oldest information we have and so that and all the minerals that make up our body that make all of the functions of our body work mm. is thanks to those minerals right so there's something really powerful just you getting, mean it's not
0: protein powder <laughs> <laughs> right
1: and so getting present with that and like connecting that in that way and humbling ourselves like that we like you were saying earlier recognize that we don't know everything and not only that we don't even know we don't know what we don't know that total blind spot, is massive. <laughs> <laughs> it's massive. And we don't have a, like a, you know, a, a shadow of an understanding of that. And so it's huge, right? So that we can stay in the beginner's mind, in the learner's mind, in the wonder. Again, like I said earlier, of the child. It's like that purity and that innocence. If we can just open ourselves up to that, all of a sudden, all of the information, all of the wisdom and truth of the universe suddenly comes to us. It just comes. And it's not because we went and got it. It's literally when we get out of the way again, step out of the way, get out of our own way. It's like, then all of a sudden you have access to all of it because it's it's coming through you. It's not from you, it's through you. We become hollow bones. We become this vessel for spirit to move through. So you're right. It's like, I can't heal anybody. It's like healer, heal thyself. You have to heal yourself. All I can do is encourage this body and the soul Mm -hmm. and the body and the mind to get out of the way and try to encourage the body to want to do its own self-healing process to Mm self-organize and so in the purification lodge it's like a fundamental necessary step it's like you gotta purify first it's like we gotta purify all the thoughts all the mind stuff that's a purification there's a physical purification detoxification by the sweat itself and then there's this level of purifying by the humbling and the centering of ourselves back to the void, the emptiness, going back to the womb of the mother. And so it's a very powerful ceremony, very simple. But we sit in the lodge, and as you know, you know we'll we'll sing songs. We'll all get the chance to pray. And when we pray, it's not like a, you know a hail mary or anything like that. There's no formal way to pray. It's just speak to Creator. You know, and it's not like you're praying to the group or you're praying. Everyone's just there holding space as a witness and receiving you in the dark. Because that's, that's intentional. We don't want, it's not about like people seeing you. They're hearing your soul communing with spirit. And in the witnessing of that, it's like amplifying the prayer. And so we work often with different uh, plants, uh, plant teachers like tobacco, and we work with cedar. Um, we work with copal perhaps, or some mm. of the other resins and tree resins. And those are brought in sweet grass. And we work in that way with those plants because they're, they're teacher plants and we can work with them by putting them on the stones. We smoke the chanupa, the, the pipe, um, and that's done in a very specific way, in a very respectful way, coming from that lineage. You know, that at least that's the way I carry it. Obviously there's there's all kinds of other ways that people do things, but mm-hmm. that's why, and we'll get into this at another time we talked about with yeah. Sundance and the Red Road, um, but very much that path and that spiritual lineage is, is an ancient technology, um, you know, in a practice that is to empower us a, and give us the ability to communicate with the unseen beings. And ultimately all of it, I think if I could just sum up what I feel like all of the teachings speak to, and this is all the way from the Catholic Jesuit teachings all the way to the Red Road and the indigenous Native American teachings um, of the Lakota and Dine and you know various other lineages that I've been connected to through my life. Um, is They're all speaking about how can we be better relative? How can we be a better relative? They're all saying the same thing. Because, and I don't mean relative, better relative to like my blood folk and kin. I'm talking about a better relative to all things, all beings, all species, you know? How can I show up? Because if we can just be a better relative, what can I do to show up and be in service like we were talking about earlier, you know? It's like when we do that and we're all doing that, war, conflict, all that goes away. Because if we're both committed to being a better relative, then we're going to have a conversation. We're going to work it out and we're going to find understanding. It may not be agreeing on something. We may not both see something the same way, but at least we can have understanding about that. Like, I understand that you see it that way. And, and you understand that I see it when there's a respect. And then it's like, okay, and we need to accomplish this thing over here. Like we need to have enough water and food for everybody. And we need to not kill every species on the planet aside ourselves, you know, in doing that. Then it's like, let's work that out. There's a road, there's a map. And that intelligence is what I feel our leadership right now really is is needing mm, yeah you know and i feel like unfortunately that needs to come from us from our listeners here you know from you from me it's like how do we all come together as a people because right now it's clear that the the head of the head of the beast right now is very disconnected from the body almost very symbolic and metaphorical like what we're talking about yeah right the this judge mind who is this thing that we've created this monster versus what is our soul intelligence innate intelligence in our body telling us and so we are the body the we body is us Mm. it's the people Mm. and so it's kind of time honestly for another revolution it's time to like decapitate the head Mm. and let it decompose and and you know go into the compost so that we can now be led by this intelligence of the heart
0: i love that and it's yeah it, it comes back to that going within right oh um so much of Again, I think today what we, we've we've touched on is that just ability to, again, undo the agreements, right? Unpack that, and then just how do we go within and listen to that inner knowing? Um, Precisely, yeah. And it's again, I think it's 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 challenging in a lot of ways because we're pulled in different directions. But I think it's a worthy, yeah. you know, uh, cause to to put our efforts in and the most worthy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we're, we are bumping up on, on time here. I want to close with a few things. I usually like to people like to ask people, you know, what are they trying to unlearn? But I think really, you know, you laid out such a beautiful, you know, kind of way of the, this, this analogy of the agreements we swallow. And so I think that will give Mm -hmm. something for, for people to really think about moving forward and, and really, if I had to, if I had to um, promote my podcast and the why behind it with anything that I've done so far, it would be exactly what you've been able to articulate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really, um, in a lot of ways, the path that I'm on and trying to stay on. Um, and so, I'm so grateful for you to be able to come on here and really. Well, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of kind of like putting together this solo podcast that I want to, you know, put out as kind of an intro and not coincidentally, I'm sitting here with you today. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm like totally struggling with it at home. Like, oh, I just want it to be authentic and me. And I'm like kind of writing it out and trying to figure it out. And and you're basically saying all the things that I want to say. And so it was so beautiful (laughs) for me to hear that. Like, it's amazing to me that. I went to bed last night with all this stress because I want I just want to kind of record the podcast and really give listeners mm. an idea of why. And so this has given me some some more things to think about.
1: Just get out of the way, Cal. I know. Yeah, you got this. Mm. You got
0: this. <laughs> um, okay, so in wrapping, let's uh, tell people where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so um, people can learn more about my work on my website, Porangui.com. It's my name, P-O-R-A-N-G-U-I. .com and they can come and check that out. My music is there. My healing work is there. Information on the retreats that we do. Um, we've got a bunch coming up this year in between Hawaii uh, in South America. We're going to be getting one ready for 2020.
0: December. Okay, great. Because yeah. this will probably come out in December, January. So. Okay, great.
1: Yeah. And so that the retreat in Hawaii will be in February. Um, There's also one in Guatemala and we'll be doing another music as medicine retreat in Sedona in the spring. So those dates will be announced on the website. And my email list is a great way for people to stay in the know with new music being released. There's a bunch of new stuff coming out. So.
0: Yeah. And I'll for one plug the newsletter because I think we've all uh, subscribed to newsletters in the past. And yours is the only one with the exception of Aubrey's. I still love getting Aubrey's every Wednesday. <laughs> yours is the only one that I really look forward to. Wow. Um, y- you guys have done an amazing job of just, it- it's-, it's got all the information that I want to know about mm-hmm. what y'all are doing. it It's very timely. Um, and so I appreciate you, th- <laughs> you know. You. That's good feedback. <laughs> yeah, no, you do a great job with that. Um, and listen, I'm going to link in the show notes to, to all this stuff as well, and and go a little deeper on some stuff that we talked about, and maybe some links there. Um, I think I think that's it. All you right. Know, like I, I mean, again, like I knew this was going to be awesome. Um, yeah. But it was beautiful. Yeah. Thank and you. God. Thanks for sharing the space with us.
1: So good to be here with you, brother, and really excited to see this this podcast being birthed into mm-hmm. the world. So yeah, any way that I can support, is, you know, I'm here for you. Awesome. Thanks. I, I love you, brother. Obrigado.
0: You've been listening to The Great Unlearned. For more information, please check out the show notes or head on over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. Please leave a five-star rating in iTunes as this really helps us spread our message. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BunkerCal and on Facebook as John Callahan. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon.